Hello and welcome to episode 219 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, what's up with the headache, dude? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm sick or something. Oh. But I'm not sure. Do you get Let's headaches see, I, when you get sick? Um, maybe. Like, because I don't think I have, yeah. Maybe I get sick and then I have like a slight headache. You said something what interesting. You, you said you tried to meditate it away. Yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it works. Like I have a headache and I just like meditate and it goes away. Wow. I don't get that headaches that often. It, like our conversation makes it seem like I'm, I'm a headache expert or something. <laughs> it was just a it was just like an attempt to solve the problem without taking aspirin or Advil or Tylenol or whatever. I see. Did you eventually give up and just take and take an Advil? No, I just gave up and got up and said, just decided. Let's do this. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I'll try to carry the load uh, today for you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, if I slur my words, then. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, if you just disappear, I'll call 911. <laughs> send send the ambulance to your house. They'll be like, where? You'll be like, somewhere in Vienna, Virginia. <laughs> No, I have your address. It's in my text messages somewhere. I could look it up. Oh, okay. I could even yeah, give them cool. the code to get it in the garage. <laughs> oh, yeah, which doesn't work anymore. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> uh, today on the show, we have a uh, Pearls versus Turds from a listener. We have a thank you email from a farmer. From a farmer? Mm-hmm. Okay. We have a news story about the 85% Rule. I don't. I haven't read this article, but it's uh, some sciency article about the secret to learning the eighty-five percent okay. rule. Oh yeah, a student of mine sent this okay. to me. Perfect. Well, we have some listener emails. Uh, somebody with a low GPA, undergraduate GPA, wants some advice. We have a question about transferring law schools after your one L year. We have a question about Khan Academy and Kaplan. And what? <laughs> those are that's interesting that they both start with K. Those two K's need to be banished from the test preparation. Really, really or do. at least LSAT preparation. We need another bad one that we can have KKK. We can ban the Whoa. ban the KKK. Um, you know there's that LSAT game that has the three K's? It's like really hard oh, to talk about. Oh yeah, class. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote this stupid game? <laughs> um uh, then we have Freed's uh, personal statement at the end of the show. Uh, okay. This is going to air on Monday, November 18th, which will be one week before the November LSAT. That's happening mm-hmm. on no- uh, Monday, November 25th. Um, the score release deadline for that test is now, for some reason, to be determined. Uh, so wait, there was a date before? Oh, I don't know that for sure. I just know that oh, normally yeah. they do give you a score release date like well in advance. Um, sure. It, it, it used to take three weeks until they made the transition to digital, and now it's been taking longer um, while they're sorting <laughs> themselves it's, out. It's longer or, or just never. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, after that, you have uh, the next LSAT will be in 2020. It'll be on Monday, January 13th, and the registration deadline for that is December 3rd. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Well over a month, a month and a half, really, before the actual test. 
uh, you'll have to register by December 3rd if you want to take the test on Monday, January 13th. Of course, that means you don't have your November LSAT score. Saturday, December 7th, Ben, in New York City. Uh, yeah. From 1 to 2.30. You want to talk about what's going on? Yeah, we're going to be doing a personal statement workshop. Um, we've done one of these together before in which we reviewed participants' personal statements in the workshop. We got everyone to read them, to evaluate them, to grade them, and then we gave everyone our opinion of that, of those personal statements and said whether or not we think they'd get into Georgetown Law School. Um, I'm sure we'll do a different law school this time, but the goal is to help you see exactly what works and doesn't work in your personal statements. So you have the opportunity to come to the workshop, submit something you've been working on, and if depending on which ones we choose, uh, get a chance to get that reviewed in front of everyone. free for Demon subscribers. You can go to thinkinglsat.com if you want to sign up for that. Again, it's Saturday, December 7th in New York City. I guess we'll probably focus on um, like NYU would be our uh, target school for that one. Don't you think, Ben? Yeah, that makes the most sense. We're in New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So everybody, uh, if you want, you submit a personal statement and then uh, we'll have a handful of personal statements from the class that everyone will review together and we'll just talk about what's good, what's bad. Last time I thought it was really interesting. Our our opinions were almost identical, Ben, yeah. yours and mine, on the statements. Um, like eerily, eerily similar, actually. Yeah. We independent we each independently graded them on an A through F scale and our grades were like exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> which was crazy. Even the minuses. Yeah. That yeah. was crazy. Um but then the class was different, sorta. They, they, they like were all of, over the place, right? So we yeah. had divided them up into groups, and some groups were close to ours, and some groups were just <laughs> off in a different space. Uh, and I think yeah. it's when we asked them why, they were evaluating the statements for the wrong reasons, right? They were looking at them like, oh, this person looks nice, <laughs> or things like that. We're like, yeah, well, yeah. if you're going to evaluate it on the basis of that, I could see why you might give it a higher or lower grade. Yeah, But they're not looking for nice um, anyways, so yeah, cool. Saturday, December 7th, uh, New York City. Go to thinkinglset.com if you want to learn more about that. Hope to see you there. Yeah, so really quick, did we, already, we already said it's $25, right? And then free if you're a demon subscriber or a former demon subscriber. Perfect. If you would like to get yourself on the agenda, you can email the show. We are help at thinkinglset.com. Send us your uh, selfies when you do that. And maybe you'll find yourself on our social media. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes and elsewhere, please. N- nobody finds us without uh, basically word of mouth. So please tell a friend and drop us reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you want to dive By the way, in? I want to oh. talk about the selfie thing here. Last week's episode 218 was a scholarship deathmatch, right? That was the name of the episode. Yes. And Annalisa found a picture of two cats. Sparring. I just thought that was hilarious. Okay. Just in general, you know, cats are <laughs> kind of strange. And then to have them sparring, I thought that was funny. Do you so, have a cat? No, no, I don't have a cat. I had a cat growing up, but oh. cats are they're a secondary animal, you know. To dogs. They're below dogs. So that, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And it I have goes dogs, about dogs. Then children, <laughs> then cats. Actually, <laughs> I think it goes. I better not. I can't say that. I have kids before dogs. <laughs> I think it goes dogs, then basically 
everything else than cats. For me, I'm just not a cat person. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I don't like them. I had a bad experience with one in college. That's why I'm traumatized. Mm. Anyway. Okay. Ready for this pearls versus turds? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. You want to read it? Sure. I just want to say that I love the podcast and I listen to it every day at the gym. Sweet. This is from Molly. The demon has also really helped me boost my score. I'm fairly new to studying for the LSAT, so I'm always asking for tips. Someone who has previously taken the official LSAT told me to subtract six points from whatever I'm making on my practice tests, and that is what I will make on the official test. Wow, this advice just doesn't die out there, right? Yeah. Well, anyways, Molly continues, this smells like a turd to me, but I thought I'd ask the experts. Thanks, Molly. Well, who are you asking? Because are we experts? <laughs> well, I'd say if anybody's experts on that, we probably are. Um, yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I I already updated the scoreboard and made this a turd. This is a turd, yeah. yeah there's absolutely no reason why you have to score lower on your official test. You know what I think it, it is, Ben? I think it's just uh, like selection bias, basically, uh, that keeps that myth out there. Mm. Because... People who underperform on the day of the test love to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They love to talk about how their practice tests were much higher, and then they just, for whatever reason, you know, a million excuses for scoring lower on the day. But people who score higher on the day don't—it's like they don't even notice. Yeah, you know, you score plus five or plus six or whatever from your practice tests, and you're just like, oh yeah, that's totally what I'm. Yeah, that that's a that's a number that ref- reflects my abilities. Uh, talking about not noticing, did I tell you about my one student who got a 177 on the, I think it was the September LSAT, it may have been October. Okay. No. Well, anyways, the, the highest score that he had ever gotten was either, I don't remember, it was either a 170 or a 172. Yeah. And he got a 177 and he was like, wait, what? <laughs> he was he was nervous enough about the 177 that he contacted LSAC and asked them to verify what? that they hadn't made a mistake. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that was great news, right? I mean, it all came together for him. So that's five points up. So maybe, Molly, you should tell this person next time you see them, be like, you know what, actually... I think you should just add five points, <laughs> add six points, yeah, and then we'll compromise at zero. It's certainly possible because you you're still improving, right? Like you've still been practicing mm-hmm. uh, leading up to the test. So yeah. I I don't see why your skills are not improving. Um, yeah. And if you just you know if you're calm and focused, and I think sometimes um, certain types of Certain types of students, I think, are um, not capable of focusing on the practice tests the same way they they are capable of focusing on the official. Sure. Yeah. Like it's easy to just get bored and you know, start spacing out, maybe on your practice tests. It's easy yeah. to not take it that seriously. And so some yeah. people, um, yeah, if it's like game day, you know, and they're gonna take, they're gonna like really find that focus, and then end up scoring higher. That, yeah, it's not. Not unusual. Um, now, you should. I think people just need to realize that there's plus five and minus five are totally in the cards. Totally in the cards. You could go up. You could go down. It's not the end of the world. That's why you got to sign up for at least two of these tests. Yeah, and many people end up taking it three times or more. Yeah. So, um, 
Anyway, that's a turd. Uh, thanks, Molly, for writing in. The scoreboard now is five pearls, 26 turds, and 12 ties. I'm almost curious what those pearls were. We need to dig them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, boy, that, yeah, they're rare. Um, I guess the takeaway from this is just be real careful who you're taking advice from about the LSAT. Yeah. There's so much garbage advice on the LSAT. Um, all right. Thanks from a farmer. <laughs> it says, okay. Dear thinking LSAT team, I'm writing to thank you for providing so much assistance through my law school application journey thus far. After deciding law school might be in the future, I signed up to take the November 2019 LSAT. Oh, good luck. The reason I chose November was because I thought that it would give me adequate time to prepare and I will be close to a testing center. I live on Maui, Hawaii, and I have plans to be in Chicago with family for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. So no, no test center in Maui. Hey, can we talk about that sentence for a half second? Uh-huh. I guess because Maui is an island, you say I live on it? Whereas like, sure. Like if, you know, I would never say, oh, I live on Vienna, Virginia, but I live in Vienna, Virginia. Anyways, that just caught my eye. Yeah, I think it is the name of an island and not the name of a town. So I guess you would say you live on, <laughs> yeah, on the big island or on Maui or yeah. on Kauai. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. hmm. I think it's Never right. Never thought about that. Yep. Cool. Um, okay. I work in organic agriculture and have been managing different organic farms for the past five years. I frequently listen to podcasts while working on the tractor and harvesting veggies or doing any kind of field work. One of my favorites is Malcolm Gladwell's Revisionist History. After signing <laughs> up to take the test, I listened to his episode about the LSAT. Fortunately, this prompted me to search for other podcasts about the LSAT, which is how I found this one and became a demon user. So maybe oh. the episode had some positive outcomes. <laughs> That's funny. That that truly was a garbage episode of Revisionist History. It's actually the last episode of Revisionist History that I ever listened to because uh, once he covered my area of expertise and I saw how poorly he did it, I just couldn't. <laughs> I'm just I'm not interested in what other lies he's telling. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> what was that wow for? <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about, so he did one about golf. And um, yeah. I was yesterday caddying, uh, weirdly, caddying for my buddy Warren, who was playing in the California State Amateur Golf Championship, which was out at the Wilshire Country Club, which is like really close to my house, right in the middle of L.A. Wait, just to clarify, when you caddy, that means you drive the little cart and you help him choose his clubs no well i we walked so i carried the bag and uh yeah you know help them figure out yardages and what the wind's doing and whether things are uphill or downhill and just yeah whatever mostly mostly it's just kind of a walk in the park and you know bullshitting with your buddy um okay he's mm -hmm. real good so i don't really help him that much i just kind of mm. carry the bag um okay anyway um <laughs> Gladwell did a an episode about golf in Los Angeles, and he started with "I hate golf." That was like the beginning of the episode, which was sure. obnoxious. But um, 
I, I can't remember actually if he was at the Wilshire Country Club or if he was, at, I think he was at the Wilshire Country Club. He might've been at Brentwood or something like that, one of the other clubs in town. But um, I had never been out to the Wilshire. That's a private club, um, like expensive, and just happened to have this tournament out there. So that's the first time I was ever able to set foot on the property. But Gladwell was crying about how they have fences around the outside of the golf course and that there's not good places for running in L.A. And he's a runner. And he was wondering why, you know, this area has to be fenced in so that people can't run uh, on it or whatever. What? <laughs> well, he's, he's trying to be funny, obviously, but... No, and yeah, and, and he's he's just kind of like nonsense hippie sort of thing, you know? Like he just yeah, is, yeah. he doesn't like the whole idea of private property, I guess, apparently. He, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's great in theory. Yeah. Yeah. He Yeah, try it out without try communal property. See how that works for you. Yeah. He did go into a pretty interesting thing about property taxes in California specifically and property tax law, the way they treat private clubs. Um mm. they don't reassess the value of that land because really? yeah, because the members own it and because the membership is constantly changing, so no one ever dies. Uh, or, sorry, people do die, and or they you know sell their membership or whatever, and someone else comes in, and so it's never like an actual change of ownership, and so courts have have deemed that that the property taxes shouldn't be, or maybe they even got a bill passed. I think they might have got a bill passed. Anyway, the the episode is actually pretty interesting. I just I had now I have to you know wonder how much of it is full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> After hearing yeah. what he did about the LSAT. And just completely butchering, you know what he was saying about the LSAT. Now yeah. I just don't know whether I can trust anything he had to say. But it was a very interesting episode, and it does seem, um, you know, the property tax situation in California is like totally fucked, right? We, sure. the property taxes are like way, way, way too low. And is that Prop Twenty Nine or whatever. Yeah, it was, mm-hmm. yeah. And because property taxes are so absurdly low already, and then because they also never reassess the value of that land. Um, mm. I mean, the value of the land. <laughs> it would be hard to even rocket. calculate what it's worth, yeah. right? I mean, this is like right yeah. in the middle of like Hancock Park. Like, there's just nothing but giant mansions all around it and beautiful hotels yeah. and. I'm 99% sure I saw Meryl Streep yesterday at a coffee shop that was like right next door to this place. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. like crazily super, super wealthy. <clears throat> and because they never reassess the value of the land, the property taxes are just like minuscule, you know, on this gigantic, mm. beautiful thing. So, um, I don't know. I was just thinking about Gladwell as I was out there wondering how much of that was all true or how much of it was bullshit. Anyway, yeah. Um, I'm glad we got a uh, listener out of the uh, podcast episode that he did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, the farmer continues. It says, anyway, listening to you all talk week after week and going through quite a bit of the catalog, I realized quickly that November was pretty late to be taking my first recorded LSAT if I wanted to apply for the 2020 cycle. Indeed it is. I also learned that there was no need, and in fact, it would be irresponsible to rush into something this big. Taking the pressure off myself was pretty easy. Good farmers are optimists. There's always next year. This analogy breaks down when a crop is really successful. I'm definitely growing it again next year. What? 
I'm definitely growing it again next year. If I crush the LSAT in November, I probably won't take it again next time. Mm. And I've learned through agriculture how impactful time along with hard work can be. Maybe the thing that made it the easiest, there are no law schools on Maui, so going to one would require me to leave the island, and I am in no rush to leave. Okay, so was going to take uh, November and apply for 2020, but now is not going to do that anymore. Okay. Sounds like a good plan. I think the best advice, aside from not rushing, I have gotten from the show is how to engage with the test. Predicting and attacking passages along with familiarization of rules has helped me raise my score 10 points in the past two months. I've also found that this advice carries over into the realm of agriculture. Was it the fertility of the soil or the amount of rainfall that led to a great crop? Or was it something else? Is a certain ratio of NPK, that is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, sufficient for a certain crop? Is it necessary? I now imagine crop planning and rotation as a logic game. If tomatoes were in field A last year, carrots need to go in field A this year. Packing weekly CSA, that's community-supported agriculture, boxes, is now a simple in-out game with vegetables available in a given season. In my situation, there seems to be a positive feedback loop where applying thinking LSAT advice on the test leads to applying it to my work, which increases that application to the test, and so on. Perhaps thinking LSAT... Uh, perhaps listening to Thinking LSAT can make you a better farmer. Thanks again, a farmer who can't pay for law school. Interesting. That was nice. So, yeah, that is nice. I was wondering, is this farmer saying that he maybe didn't think about correlation causation as much when it came to his work until taking the LSAT? Well, yeah, I mean... Common sense is surprisingly uncommon, right? Mm -hmm. So we like It's very easy to jump to conclusions when you have correlation, especially yeah. a very strong correlation. Yeah. Yep. Huh. And, I mean, we teach logic for a living, right? We're just <laughs> constantly yelling at people about thinking logically and not falling prey to all of these fallacies, which are everywhere on the test, basically. Or every mm -hmm. sorry, everywhere in the world, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, like especially if you watch the news, uh, it's just nothing but people thinking in broken ways. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we know that studying for the LSAT changes the physical structure of your brain. We do know that, or at least a study has strongly suggested that. Yeah, <laughs> we think we know that. I think we know that's that. our hypothesis, and. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't see why it wouldn't make you better at other things that require logic, or other things yeah. that can benefit from the application of logic. I should say. Yeah. Cool. Uh, <clears throat> why don't you talk about this next one? Because you're the one who came up with the eighty-five, or your student suggested this eighty-five percent rule. Yeah. So I was talking to my student Ben. That's his name. Um. Uh, maybe a month or two ago, and he was asking about the demon, and he was asking why you know the percentage that he gets correct in drilling doesn't really change that much. It hovers around seventy percent or seventy five percent. And I said, well, that's because as you do better in the drilling, it ends up giving you harder questions. So I understand you're trying to pull that accuracy up as high as you can, but the reality is as soon as you start doing better, it's going to give you harder questions, which is then going to push that accuracy down. Which is down. the entire point. 
of the demon. But yes, that's the end. Yes, exactly. And if you do worse, right, then it's going to give you easier questions, and that's going to help you increase that accuracy. <laughs> but so what you really should be focusing is on is the average difficulty level of the questions that you've been doing, because if you get more questions right then it will give you harder questions and your average difficulty level will go up. And he was like, okay, cool. And then I told him, I said, we're doing that not entirely by accident, but because studies have shown that if you get about 75% correct of whatever you're working on, that's the optimal place to be learning. And the reason that's the optimal place is that if you're getting like 50% correct of what you're doing, you're pushing yourself too hard. It can be discouraging, et cetera. Um, and you know, you're not learning as much. Uh, and if you're getting like 90% correct or higher, then it's too easy and you're kind of wasting your time. So 75% is this number that we're shooting for. So anyways, just yesterday, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, he sent me this article and he said, this proves that you're on the cutting edge, <laughs> which I thought was a little funny because this article says, being wrong 15% of the time is the secret to learning new things scientists have found. Although nobody likes to fail, academics have long su suspected that people learn better when they are challenged to grasp something just outside of their existing knowledge. Make a task too hard and participants will give up without acquiring new skills, but if it is too easy, they will not also not pick up anything useful. But that sweet spot has always been unknown. So this is where <laughs> I take issue with this article because the article goes on to conclude that the sweet spot is 85%. 85% correct or 15% wrong. Um, I, we, <laughs> we've known about this number since before. the Well, the number we had was 75%. And that number we didn't get just from one study, but I read a book that was actually about a review of several studies. So I'm a little surprised that this article is asserting that this sweet spot has been always been unknown. I think people who are in the know have known it's around 75%, or at least that's what they've said. This article is saying 85%. But anyways, just thought I would share this article that that student shared with me. Cool. We'll link to it in the show notes. Um, I don't know that there has to be a one single magic number, right? Uh, I don't think it does. Yeah, I think it's going to be somewhere. In fact, the demon has kind of a range. So the demon's range is 65 to 85%. That's where it's trying to shoot you into. So, And if you start getting more than that outside of that range, then it'll definitely make it harder. And if you yeah, it'll get pull you back below yeah. 65%, then it'll definitely make it easier for you. Yeah. Cool. Perfect. Yeah. Um, this next one is advice for someone with a low UGPA. It says, good evening. I recently came across your podcast and in a few days and in the few days I have listened to it, I have learned so much exclamation point. I currently graduated currently graduated <laughs> recently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from redacted school with a BA in history and government and minor in European studies. I was a all caps scholarship recipient. Oh wait, that might be um, like re redacted. Maybe there was a name of a scholarship there or something, and mm -hmm. we redacted it. Okay, for the duration of my undergraduate career. However, my last year in school was nothing short of easy. 
Okay. Don't use that phrase because you don't know how to use that. You're not using that properly. You could just say hard. You meant, well, nothing short of easy means that it was easy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you should have said nothing short of a disaster because that's what happened here is it was a disaster. Um, But just don't just go ahead and get rid of that phrase from your usage. Um, It says, I ended up withdrawing my fall semester and did horribly my last semester. I ended up on academic probation for plagiarism, which I know will haunt me for the rest of my legal career. Mm, not necessarily. <sighs> That's dramatic. It, yeah. I mean, it might haunt you for your law school applications. Yeah. But once you're into law school, I don't think, I mean, maybe it's going to come up on a character and fitness test, uh, you know, for the bar. For the yeah. bar, but if you're able to get into law, which I, and it might prevent you from going to law school potentially. Um, or it's going to make getting into law school more difficult, I think. But once you get into law school, I, I just don't think they're going to admit you if it's really going to be a problem for character and fitness. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, my last year of college is not an accurate representation of who I am as a student or person, but I do understand there are consequences to my actions. I ended with a 3.1 GPA, which does not compare to any of my past semesters in college. I can't tell if that's a cumulative GPA or if that's just the final year. Yeah. Well, I'm confused too. Like, did you have bad grades because you plagiarized? Usually, you kind of get one or the other, right? You like plagiarize and then get good grades. <laughs> well, or you play, you get no, but I mean, this person got caught, so yeah, so then they then got, probably get an F. Yeah, you know. Anyway, as I find myself studying for the LSAT, which has not been going great, but I recently purchased the Demon, I am not sure what exactly I am to do. Please help. All caps. I would appreciate it if I could remain anonymous if you decided ever to read this in your podcast. Anonymous. What are you thinking? Well, I guess my first reaction right now is to call a bar like what what is what's the help those helplines that are like an ethics a bar ethics hotline or something? Yeah, I mean, just look for, I, I would think just look up your state bar. Yeah. Call your state bar. And ask them, let's just figure out, first of all, can you pass the bar where you want to practice in your state? Because if you can't, then I don't, at this point I'd say, well, you could fight it, you could try to figure out how people have fought it, or you could just say, forget it. Let me go into a different career that doesn't require a character and fitness application to practice law or to practice whatever it is you end up doing. You're probably not. I mean, you're definitely not the first person to have this issue. I I kind of doubt that one instance of plagiarism in your undergraduate career is enough to just totally cancel your legal career. Yeah, but that might that might vary state by state, and there's only one way to find out. Um, you need to call. You need to call the bar. So you call the bar. Let's say that they say, "Hey, yeah, you're fine. Um, you need to divulge this, and here's how." 
Then I guess my next step would be um, to, yeah, do the best you can on the LSAT to compensate for your low GPA. It sounds like you've started with the demon, so I'd continue down that path. Um, I would then also write an addendum that just says what your GPA would have been if you took off these last two semesters. Do you think... Um, uh, you're going to have to disclose this. Yeah, you think it's a separate addendum for the <laughs> GPA? I wonder. I, I kind of feel like it is. Like, kind of separate the two so that they just focus on the GPA in one case. And I don't know. I mean, if you write just one, yeah, Good. it's not like you're going to have a lot to say about either one. <laughs> you don't want to start making right. excuses for your plagiarism. Yeah, and you really don't need to bother with like, this is not who I am as a student or person. I don't know. As soon as you say that, you're inviting to some someone to say, yeah, but that's what you did, and we are defined by what we do. Yeah. Um, so don't don't try to make that argument. Say what happened. <sighs> say what you did about it. Yes. And even then, keep that short. Yeah. I would think call the state bar first, then potentially start talking to a law school that you might be interested in. Or maybe like a law school that you're not actually interested in, but is kind of the same type of league, like same kind of level law school. Sure. And then just see if they can give you any advice about it. I mean, if if they go, ooh, oh, yeah. Um, You know, if... I don't know that they would actually do that, but if they do, that's going to be a real bad sign. But if they go, oh well, people make mistakes as undergraduates. You know, we would want you to d- disclose it in this type of a way, but it's not the end of the world. I don't know. Might give you a little bit of help yeah. there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> definitely get a really good LSAT score. Um. And yeah, yeah. Uh, just a general rule of thumb for the demon, by the way, if you get to that point where you're studying for the test, is to do a time section one day and drilling the next, or if you have the kind of time in your life to do a time section and review it and then fill in some gaps with more drilling, it's just a good default. So you're going back and forth between targeted work and timed sections. By the way, if this is the first time you're hearing about the demon, um, it's lsatdemon.com and you can do a free trial. So you could jump right in with a timed section and then the demon will learn from your mistakes. And when you hit the drilling button, it'll give you questions that are at that um, magic number, whatever the number is. Um, Difficult, just difficult enough that they'll be challenging, but not so difficult that you'll, you know, Give up. Yeah. Um, Want to read this? One? Uh, thanks, Anonymous, for writing in. Want to read this one, Ben, about transferring? Sure. Hey, Ben and Nathan, I'm sending this question into the podcast because I think I, it may be applicable to a decent number of people and something that has come across my mind as I am currently in the application process. Okay. What is your guys' opinion on going to a relatively decent law school? Let's say 50th percentile, LSAT is mid-150s. Wait, wait, hold up. If the 50th percentile LSAT is mid-150s, would you consider that a relatively decent law school? Uh, 
it's what <laughs> it's not horrible right that's that's a start i guess yeah i mean let me just uh, let's in a lot of ways i think that southwestern law school is a relatively decent school okay i know multiple southwestern where's that it is in the middle of los angeles and okay. i know many people who have gone there and who now are okay. practicing lawyers um I know some big law lawyers, and I know lots of smaller, um, you know, government lawyers, nonprofit, like uh, whatever, public interest types. Sure. Um, The 50th percentile at Southwestern on their 2018 Standard 509 information report says 50th percentile 153. Yep. Um, the the problem, especially in California, is that when you have a mid one fifties LSAT score, it's uh, very likely that you're going to struggle with the California bar exam. That's kind of the biggest issue. I, I don't like. I sort of don't care except for that. You know, I just was wondering, like, wait, what is the bar passage rate for Southwestern? But we don't have that. Anymore. Not on the five hundred nine. We don't. Those fuckers. <laughs> how do we find that they said it would be available on a different report <laughs> it's i am i am shocked um so according to google snippet which is coming from wikipedia yeah 53 percent for july of 2018 first time takers whoa 53 percent yep for first time takers yep. so what do you think if you if you take it two or three times 70% yep. 75% of test takers end up doing it sure that's still pretty crazy oh like, yeah 25% of your class is unable to use the law degree that they just bought and paid for well they probably haven't paid for it yet but they're in debt for it yeah the tuition by the way at southwestern is $54,000 a year <laughs> it's still under that category that says per semester. I don't understand that. <laughs> that is weird. Yeah. So, anyway. you know, like relatively, I don't know. I think people need to, instead of this relatively decent or, or whatever Cam is saying, re- yeah, relatively mm-hmm. decent. I, look, there's, we're only, let's, we're only talking about ABA schools right now. There's national schools where they have a reputation across the country and it would actually make sense for you to go to that school and then practice in a different state. Okay, I'm yes. talking about Harvard and Stanford and probably all the schools in the top 14 and then maybe some other schools that are just outside the top 14, right? Like UCLA, yeah. I'm pretty sure if you want to practice law in New York, you could go to UCLA and sure. get a job in New York at big law. Just think about it. If you're, if you're in another part of the country and you've heard of that school, it's probably safe to say that that has marketing value elsewhere. Yes. And then there's all other law schools. So Southwestern, I mean, Ben, ben Olson, who has been teaching LSAT for <laughs> a decade, professionally you know and also by the way i've mentioned southwestern on the show a hundred times and ben still doesn't know where southwestern even is <laughs> like that's a good good indication that southwestern is a regional law school not a national law school yeah okay and i'm not shitting on it at all because like i said i know successful lawyers who went to southwestern but i also know yeah. people who went to southwestern and then failed the bar and then failed the bar again 
and like are not practicing law now. And so you need to think about whether you, I mean, Cam goes on to talk about transferring to a better school, but it's like, I don't know. I like, yeah. So the first question we're trying to answer here is, is it a relatively decent law school? And I would say with the 53% bar passage rate, it's, Yes and no. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends who you are at that school. It's like the same thing that we constantly keep yelling about. If you yeah. go there on a scholarship, then you're probably fine. Yeah. And if you go there paying full price, you're probably not fine. Yeah. It's a real easy, <laughs> it's so easy to figure it out. It's like as long as you're not paying, I think you're in good shape. But the second you start writing $53,000 checks to a school like Southwestern, uh, listen, they give scholarships to over half the class. You know, <laughs> 20% yeah. of the class is getting half or more. And if you're, if you're at that school paying them full price, you're just, you're, you're probably, it makes it a lot less likely that you're in that 53% that's going to pass the bar the first time. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway. Okay, so he continues. What What is your guys' opinion on going to a relatively decent law school, let's say 50th percentile is LSAT is mid-150s, then transferring to a better law school after 1L, let's say 50th percentile LSAT is low to mid-160s. Of course, kicking ass in 1L seems to be necessary in this situation. Yes, it would be necessary because now they're going to care a lot less about your LSAT and a lot more about how you did in an actual law school since that's really what they're trying to figure out with your LSAT score. And scholarship amounts should more than likely be taken into consideration. But is this something that's feasible? Would this be a better idea than barely getting into the better law school with a lower lower scholarship from the get-go? Well, hmm... I'm I'm actually confused by that. I um, so a lot of people think about this, right? They try to do well in the LSAT. They find that it's harder than they had anticipated, um, and so they say, "Okay, well, let's see if I can get into one school and then transfer to another." Well, you can figure out all this information again from the 509 report. So yeah, I'm looking at Southwestern take, right now. They yep okay. They enrolled 271. No. 271 from the applicant pool plus another six who weren't in the applicant pool. The upper right hand corner. Oh, the upper right. Okay, got it. Mm -hmm. 278 in their first year class. Mm -hmm. How many transferred out? 18. Okay, so those are your odds. (laughs) Yeah, how do you like 18 divided by 278? That's a 6.5% chance. And if you think about the school you want, that's everyone who transferred out. But you have to think about the schools that they're transferring to. Yeah, so, like, like UCLA. Okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, tra- do they have the list of schools that they transferred to? Uh, they used to have the list of schools. I think they, they used to have the schools. Yes, I think they used to have that also on the 509. I am getting more angry. 
Yeah, well, they've nerfed all this shit because it's such an obvious scam. And it's like there was too much information <laughs> on this and it made it just too obvious that there that this was... <laughs> oh, wait, here we go. No, You found it's, it? It's transfers in. The tra- yeah, you so, can see transfers in. Yes. So you have to oh. go to the school that you want to transfer yes, to. That's it. Okay. And then, Sorry, okay. well, I take wait, it back. Wait, where is that though? I, st- I still I don't didn't still, nerf I still it. Don't see it. Well, it's only for schools that someone actually transferred into. So it's not on Southwesterns because no one transfers into Southwestern. Because no one transferred in. Yeah. There we go. There yeah. isn't a worse so law is- school that you can go to that you can transfer in from South, to, South, to Southwestern. So, so yeah, what's another school in your area? Well, that I'm looking at UCLA. Okay, let's do that. So Perfect. Looking at UCLA, bottom left. Uh, By the way, just Google UCLA 509 if you want to yes. follow along. Uh, there were 31 transfers in. Uh, just for context, UCLA is uh, slightly over 300 people in the 1L class mm-hmm. each year. And then there were 31. So, you know, like roughly 10%, you're going to have roughly 10% like new 2Ls. Yeah, but that number is not what you're when you're thinking about whether you can transfer out, you are gonna want to look at the number of students who transferred out. Oh yeah. So six percent transfer out from Southwestern, ten percent transfer in to UCLA, but I'm looking down this list and there was not one person who transferred from Southwestern to UCLA. Yep, not one. So really you're Chances of transferring from Southwestern to UCLA are zero. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean not zero, but they're very close to zero. Yeah, because everyone no one else at Southwestern thinks they're going to do that. Yeah, you know, there's one person who transferred from USC, which is almost ranked as high as UCLA. Then there's mm-hmm. five who transferred from Pepperdine, one from University of San Diego. I'm just looking for the local schools. Six from Loyola Marymount. That's interesting. So they're actually taking, they've got a decent like feeder system going from the, um, from Loyola Marymount and from Pepperdine. Well, so when you say decent, they, yeah, they picked up six. So for whatever reason they decided, and it'd be interesting to see if they've done this from year to year, but they picked up six students from Pepperdine. But yeah, even then it's like, or I'm sorry, five from Pepperdine and six from Loyola. But even then it's like, Okay, well, how many? How big was Loyola's class? I'm looking at Pepperdine right? now. Um, Pepperdine okay. is a small school, 160 people or 159 people in the 1L mm-hmm. class. Uh, transfers out, 10 of them transferred out. Okay, and five went to UCLA. So if you wanted to go to UCLA, yeah. you had a 3% chance. Yeah, it's not a good. It's you. <laughs> basically, I mean, the answer to this question is clearly that should not be your plan. That should not be your plan. Get two more points on the LSAT merely by just taking it again without doing any other studying. Granted, I would hope that you'd study, but I think your odds of like randomly pulling out two more points or three more points out of nowhere are greater than three <laughs> percent. Just by taking it again. Yeah. Cam, I, I really encourage you, Cam, not to pay for law school. So you, you, need, to, um, you need to get the best LSAT score you can. And then you, need, you do, I think you, it really would be smarter for you to just take the bigger scholarship. But you're going <laughs> to, you can try to transfer, but you're probably going to end up staying at whatever school you start. And you just have to 
<laughs> you just have to deal with it. Like that's just the reality of your situation. If you get yourself ten more LSAT points, you'll be in an entirely different planet of law schools. Yeah, you know, and that's or yeah, and and scholarship offers from schools that you can't even get into right now. Yeah, you know, <laughs> so just the LSAT is the beginning of your legal career, and you know if. Man, I would think that you know probably Cam is looking at like a 160 LSAT or something like that. Yeah, and then trying to get the awesome scholarship at a mid 150 school. Right, but you just instead you need to get a 165 or you know 168, and just move yourself into a different, entirely different realm. It's so much easier to get five more LSAT points than it is to kick ass your entire first year of law school and then transfer to a better school. Not only that, but like we were talking about last episode, Ben, what about the schools that are going to like carve back your scholarship money? Yeah. Potentially. So make yeah, sure what's you the scholarship deal. Yeah, look real closely on that uh, scholarship offer and see whether you're going to be, whether you're going to be on the hook to pay them back for the scholarship if you leave. Yeah. If if five points sounds challenging, one thing that might help is to <laughs> just stop thinking about the score and start focusing on learning one to three things, concrete things every day by doing a time section and then learning from your mistakes. Um, if you're getting more than three questions wrong, it's easy to learn one to three things every day from a timed section. You just have to review it and ask yourself, why did I miss this? What did I not know before? And don't let yourself off the hook. Don't be like, oh, yeah, yeah, D makes more sense. No, articulate why it is correct using specific words from the answer choice and from the passage. Yeah, do you think, and then, do you, think you could explain it to me and Ben yep. to our satisfaction, mm-hmm. to where we would believe you that you actually understand it? Mm-hmm. Like, would you be brave enough to explain it to us <laughs> in front of the class yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Because if not, then you probably just don't, you probably don't get it. You know, you think you got it, but you don't, maybe you just don't if you can't explain it. So then, yeah, so you force yourself to do that. And you only have to do that for one to three questions a day, like a serious explanation of something that you missed. And you're going to be, I know you're going to be learning something. <laughs> And if, and if you, you can't do that day after day after day and not see progress. Yeah, and if you can't figure it out yourself, that's when you hit the ask button in the demon and we get back to you, you know, as quickly as we can with some help. Yeah. So um, I do fear that now that you say that, I do fear that sometimes people might not that I want to discourage anyone from hitting the ask button, but I, I'm I'm afraid that some people might hit it too quickly. Right? It's like, oh yeah, I don't get it. Ask. Oh, like, there's certainly people try, doing try, that. Try, 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 then mm-hmm. ask, right? Yeah. We want you to try as much as you can and then ask as much as you can after you've tried. Yep. Anyway. Con and Kaplan. On. Oh, yeah. Well, did we finish this? Sorry. It says, love the podcast and the demon. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Cam. Have a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you got this one? Con and Kaplan. It just says, do you recommend Con Academy? I am not sure if spending the $1,000 on a Kaplan course is worth it. I have also considered just buying LSAC tests and working through those. Semicolon. I appreciate your time. Exclamation point. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. 
Chris must be kind of a new listener, yeah. right? Because it's have this weird like dual choice. Like you have to choose between the two Ks, Khan Academy and Kaplan. Yeah, you're choosing between two, two of the worst things that are out there. Two killer <laughs> LSAT killer. <laughs> LSAT killers. Anyways, yeah, so I don't know why you're making that choice. And then this, his semicolon privileges have not yet been revoked, apparently. Uh, he, he, but at least he did it. He did that correctly, though. He did do it correctly. Yeah. Um, okay, although it's a weird connection, right? Connecting the appreciate your... I That's appreciate true. Your Those the, two things are not connected question. at all. <laughs> um, well, what third hmm. option should Chris be considering, though? LSAT Demon. Yeah, Chris, you got to go to LSATdemon.com and do the free trial and please study with us instead of studying with Khan and Kaplan. I wonder if (laughs) listeners are listening to this right now. I'm like, did you guys write this email? (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Doesn't sound like a listener. (laughs) Oh, we just wanted to push the demon. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah, that's what I'd recommend. I, I've noticed, by the way, that some classes are shutting down in my area. Live classes. I've, I'm surprised about this. Well, uh, mine are still going strong, but I've noticed that Blueprint has no long, is no longer offering live classes in DC. Nice. Or, wow. Good job. You destroyed them. That's that's good. <laughs> I don't know. I, I surprise me. Perplexes me. It's a big market for LSAT. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think people are sensibly moving toward online options. Um, younger people are more and more comfortable with you know just online only education. Um, mm-hmm. Makes sense. And uh, there's lots of reasons to just do online. I mean, the demon, it, if you do the lessons or the course in the demon, um, it's a full LSAT class and you don't need anything else. Yeah. And you can do it from home. You can do it 24 hours a day. You can start immediately. You can take it with you on the road. It's literally in your pocket on your phone at all times. Yeah. Someone in my class, in my San Francisco class last weekend, someone was like, oh no, I've been doing this LSAT question a day app. I have an app. It's on, I like it because it's on my phone and I can just do like one question. Hmm. And I'm like, you also have Demon Premium because you take my class. Yeah. Why are you not just doing the Demon instead? The Demon would be learning from your mistakes and giving you just right challenges and instead, you're doing some stupid LSAT question a day app that's probably not even LSAT questions. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, there's a big argument to be made for just studying online and not doing a live class. Yeah. Uh, if you want to do a live class in DC, I hope you will go to strategyprep.com and learn about Ben's classes. If you're in LA or San Francisco, I hope you'll go to foxlsat.com and learn about my classes. Um, Kaplan, absolutely not. Yeah, like I just—I've been rescuing Kaplan refugees for ten years. I can't believe how badly they do at preparing people for the LSAT. Oh, hey, I had another observation. I've just been like—you know—the market has been going through so many changes recently um, because of the digital LSAT, because of the multiple LSATs per year. Do you offer live proctored exams for your students? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, we do as well, and at Strategy Prep, and I've noticed that n- no one is offering live proctored exams anymore, uh, including, uh, except for Kaplan. But Kaplan only offers one. 
Well, Kaplan um, doesn't like doing practice tests because it'll demonstrate that you're not improving. <laughs> they offer it at the beginning of the class. And not, <laughs> <laughs> not at the end? <laughs> yeah, for, it's a diagnostic. They give you one diagnostic. Yeah, and because they have their bullshit refund policy where if you score lower on the official... Oh, that's probably why they have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Then they'll give you your refund. But then you have to, you have, to have gone to every lesson, done all the homework... <laughs> Jump through all these hoops, you know, and actually, yeah, you have to have crashed and burned on the official LSAT, and then they'll give you your money back. Look, I I think there's still some value and in these live scenarios. I have people who, I mean, sometimes people can't do them. Sometimes you're out in the middle of the country. Um, Yeah, it's better to do it than not to do it. But you know, people come in and they're like, I don't know, just something about sitting next to other people who are all taking it as well, and a proctor and all that stuff. Anyways, I was surprised to see that I was looking through all of them last night because I was just curious. I was like, okay, what's up with Test Masters, Blueprint, you know, mm-hmm. Kaplan, PowerScore? And Kaplan was the only one that offered a live proctored exam, and it was the diagnostic, from what I could tell. So that's insane. Anyways, I don't yeah. I don't get it. I mean, I yeah, again, so I do timed sections in my classes all the time, right? That's like every yeah. day I do. Basically, if you take yeah. my class, you are taking practice tests all the time. Yeah. Yeah, and one comment that I get a lot from the students is, you know, I do so much better when I do my time sections at home. When I get here, I do worse. Yeah, and it's like, well, because there's other nervous people in the room. There's you know distractions, unfamiliar environment. Mm-hmm. You might subconsciously cheat at home. <laughs> Give yourself yeah. extra time sometimes. Pause it. You know things that you're not going to be able to do in a mm-hmm. live environment with other people. Um, so yeah, there's there's certainly value to sitting next to somebody else taking your practice yeah. tests. I should ha- add that although it's not live live, we do um, we do Proctor virtual tests for Demon subscribers, at least premium. So uh, you can take it along with other people in like a Zoom meeting, which is kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Anyway, sorry for the tangent. Just kind of surprised me. Yeah. Um, I don't, okay, anything else for uh, Chris? No, that's it. Okay. Ready for Freed's personal statement? I'm ready. Okay. You going to read it or you want me to do it? Uh, sure, I'll read it. Oh, great. We got lots of names here. What's in a name? I should know. I've had four. Frid, Fried, Freed, and Farid. All four are names I have identified with my entire life. Um, okay, well, I would say that I'm a little skeptical of this opening. At the same time, I'm impressed that each sentence is very short. <laughs> so it's made it easy to sort of plow through. Yeah, I don't like what's in a name mm-hmm. as the starting thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm-hmm. all right, I don't need to be hearing kind of just seem it's like that's a kind of hacky cliched phrase. Yeah. You know, it's it doesn't mean anything. Mhm. It's a question. What's in the name? I don't know. This is your personal statement. <laughs> what are you what are you talking about? Um Yeah. And the like and it is your first sentence. Also the I should know. Mhm. What's in the name? I should know. I, I, yeah, you're supposed to be telling me. Yeah. Um, 
the four names thing, you know, I've had four names, Frid, Fried, Freed, and Fareed. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. Like, that's about you. Yeah. There's the first two sentences aren't really saying anything. So, you know, let's get on with it. Side note here, by the way, when you listed your four names, you said Frid, Fried, Freed, no comma, and Fareed. Oh. The law school community strongly favors the Oxford comma or the serial comma. In other words, the comma that become that comes before the last item in a list of three or more things. Um, <clears throat> in any case, so you need a comma there. All four are names I have identified with my entire life. Due to my father's poor English and several clerical errors, I have possessed birth certificates, health cards, and passports, all with different spellings of my name. By the way, those things should not be capitalized. No. Um, Fareed, your cap- capitalized birth certificates, etc. Pretty much everything is not capitalized except names of places. Having four names concurrently was a minor inconvenience at worst and a telling story at most. Mm. Okay, like where are we going to go with this? I know. Like, Tell me the story. Don't tell me it was a telling story. Yeah. It stands as a constant reminder of my family's origin and the obstacles we have faced. It's, okay, you build up. It's all build up. And it's tr- that sentence really grates. The having four names concurrently was a minor inconvenience at worst and a telling story at most? Yeah. What? At worst and at most? <laughs> at That's best. not how people do that. <laughs> they say at, at best and at worst. Yeah. They don't say at worst and at most. It's like you're trying too hard. Just tell me this. Just can you please just tell me the story in like a plain spoken way? Yeah. Chances are um, we might get that story in the next paragraph. <laughs> so cut that entire first paragraph, really. I, I don't see any value in it. Yeah. My parents, although, see, here's the problem now, is this sentence is about your parents, not about you. My parents came to Canada as refugees from Pakistan, escaping the religious persecution they faced there as Amaldi Muslims? Amadi. Amadi Muslims? Okay. Although they escaped persecution back home, they still faced prejudice here as Muslim immigrants in a pre- and post-9-11 era. Okay, it's all about them. Mm -hmm. What about you? After being denied countless jobs as a carpenter due to his poor communication skills in English, my father decided to open his own shop out of our garage. Still about your father, not about you. The shop still remains open today, albeit not in our garage anymore. He builds kitchens for homes, seating booths for restaurants, and display cases for jewelry stores. Every now and then, a customer will refuse to pay the full amount initially agreed upon. Unfamiliar with the court processes, my father typically accepts his losses and moves on. Every loss he has told me about still pains me today. Ugh. Hate it. Hate it. Yeah. This it. Is, everything is about your dad. Like, we're supposed to accept you because your dad overcame challenges. We want to know about you. It makes you look badass. super naive here, too. If the implication is, I'm going to go to law school so that my dad won't get ripped off on his, con- on his carpentry deals. It's like, no, you're not, dude. You're not going to do that. That's not what you're going to do. Yeah, also the idea that there are, that 
the solution to this problem is court processes. People don't yeah. solve like contract disputes by being like, okay, well, I'm going to court. You just say like, uh, you set in safeguards, right? You're like, okay, you have to pay half up front. Yeah. <laughs> or seriously. you pay it all up front. Do business what, like, with a better clientele. Don't yeah. stop, don't take these deals without adequate assurances that you're actually going to get paid. If it does, if this does happen, I mean, there's probably, I don't know what the Canada situation is, but there's like small claims court is what you would be doing here, right? Or yeah. maybe hiring that, an attorney. Like even that is such a pain in the ass. Like you, yeah. it's so much better to figure out a better way of doing business. And I'm sure he's, I don't look, I'm not trying to shit on your father, but your assumption that your father is doing this because he's unfamiliar with the court processes strikes me as naive. Like, I think he's probably, maybe he's doing that because he's like, eh, it's not worth pursuing. It's easier just to accept this loss and keep making more money. Businesses do that as well. It's accounts payable. It's a yeah. certain percentage of business. So, I don't know. Anyway, he continues. Everything came to a head for, I'm not sure why you use the number four here. Yeah. Everything came to a head four years ago when a customer refused to pay for a for job, for job worth around a job, a job yeah. worth around three hundred thousand dollars. Dear God, he <laughs> he did the. He doesn't have safeguards. <laughs> no, yeah, and he did it. He did that. The numbers thing exactly backward there. Yeah, for three hundred thousand, he should have used the numbers, <laughs> and then for four, he should have used the word. But he did the exact I was so opposite. Distracted by the content. <laughs> yeah, why did you got to write out numbers one? Use letters for numbers one through ten. And for 11 and up, use the actual numbers. Yeah, the digits. Yeah. Okay, wow. Well, so this is weird too. If your dad is doing a job worth around $300,000, like, it doesn't sound like you guys are doing that badly, right? Like, no, that sounds like a lot of revenue coming well, in and out. I don't know how much is profit, but. It also didn't sound bad when. Earlier, he he's building kitchens for homes. He's building seating booths for booths for restaurants. He's building display cases for jewelry stores. It just seems like he's doing well. Yeah. And so now he's doing a three hundred thousand dollar job. Sounds like he's doing well. Sounds like he might be like kind of bad at the 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 deals he takes because he's not getting paid. But what does this have to do with you anyway? I don't, I just I'm not trying to figure out what the point is. If your point is, yeah, I'm going to go to law school because I want to like defend my dad against deadbeat customers. That's not a good topic. That's just that's silly. It's not a good reason to go to law school. No, it's not. Okay, so up oh, double spaced after your period, yep. uh, following several single spaces after your periods. Yep. I had been working with my father at the time. Okay, we're learning about you. You worked for your father. And we had spent several months on that job. Okay. We took out loans to pay for all the materials and even denied taking on other jobs to focus on completing this one. When the customer refused to pay, we did not know what to do. We knew that we had, we knew we had some legal standing to reclaim that money, but small businesses rarely use formal contracts for jobs. Well, hold up. I am, I agree with that. But I am shocked that you don't have some sort of paperwork for a three hundred thousand dollar job. That's 
And no deposit along the way. They didn't pay no for deposit. anything along the way. Yeah. You're just totally doing this on spec, turning down other jobs and taking out loans to pay for the material. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? Yeah. I convinced my father to go to court, but when he did, he left empty handed. Well, yeah, you don't have a contract for a $300,000 job. It's Also, there has to be another side to this story. Why is the customer refusing to pay? <laughs> yeah, like they they if you if they really did go to court, well, the other side must have had a story. And yeah. if that story was you guys were late, you guys did bad work, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I don't know, what's the it's not I mean go, go on sorry Listen. no well it's, it's tough because when you tell a story like this what you're doing is you're like you just want us to like accept your perspective to just be like oh you must have done everything right and <laughs> like it's so shitty like yeah. why and it could be so shitty but it's also you're raising all these questions like why the hell didn't you protect yourself why I don't know. Anyways, and it's not about you. He believes he lost because he could not communicate well enough to the judge about his side of the case. That's possible. The effects of that loss have been everlasting. Okay, that's way overselling. Mm -hmm. um, that debt has ballooned to several hundred thousand dollars now and still owed. That sucks. This really sucks. I'm sorry to hear this, but it, it's not good for your personal statement. And... um. I don't know what to say, so let's cut all that. Yeah, I I'm not digging it at all. I mean, it makes it's it is sad. It makes me feel badly, but I don't want to feel badly. I want to feel like you're a killer who's going to kick ass in law school. Yeah, and I mean, I, I read this and I go, oh, that's sad. They're real naive and like kind of bad at business, and they seem like well-meaning, but they're getting their ass kicked in business and like. They tried to go to court, lost in court, which means that there must be reasons why they lost in court. <laughs> I don't think I'm willing to buy that, you know, like the entire nation of Canada is discriminating against you because your dad doesn't have good English. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, imagine this from the law school's perspective. Do you think, I, were you writing this hoping they'd be like, oh my God, like, we need to change this our injustice. ways. Yeah. Yeah. And we we're gonna bring this boy on board and we're gonna help him learn the law and he's gonna go right these wrongs, right? Like I think they're just gonna be like, it's like awkward. Oh <laughs> 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 like, okay. that sucks. Oh no. Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. Hmm. Um, hmm. Can you do well in law school? <laughs> they start, they're like, oh, they they turn the kind of their nose is wrinkled. They're reading it like, oh, and then oh. and then their fingers just slowly creep over to the next application in the pile. <laughs> the next, just like, yeah. I want to see if there's a happy story in here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Farid continues. I worked all last summer to save enough money to fund my education. You, you're going to fund your education in one summer? <laughs> I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Okay, however, because of, that because of that financial burden, my father was behind on his car payments and was about to lose it. A lose his car, <laughs> which, by the way, is not referenced. Um, 
I like this just not does not make any sense. It sucks. Oh. Well, it sucks. It's getting yeah, sadder just, and sadder now. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me though. I worked all last summer to save enough money to fund my education. Are we talking about law school here? Keep reading. It's in the summer. Yeah. Knowing that, okay, knowing that he needed his car to work and support my family, I and my brother usually you'd say my brother and I, yeah. decided to give him nearly all our savings so he would not lose his car. Okay, that's 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 generous of you and thoughtful and helpful for your father. Um, but acts of generosity are not, again, what they're looking for, I think, when it comes to law school. This... What, by the way, you need to qualify your this. This gift left me with little to pay for school, and I have relied on OSAP. I'm assuming that's some Canada financial mm-hmm. support system and financial aid from the University of Toronto ever since. Why? Why are you telling me this? Some applicants to law school will be on financial aid, some will not be. It's irrelevant to whether or not they're going to kick ass in law school. Yeah, this is purely a plea for sympathy. Yeah. And I don't want people who are making pleas for sympathy. I want a killer. I want a lawyer. I'm not yeah. I'm not hiring somebody who's bitching about their circumstances. I'm hiring somebody who is going to go to war for me and win a case. And this ain't winning. This is you complaining about some bad circumstances with your dad. Uh, uh, it's just not. It's not relevant. It's like not, not at all. That's totally wrong. Um, I was watching Netflix the other day. <laughs> okay. Not that Netflix can be the source of wisdom, but I actually thought this quote from the show was had some elements of truth, and the person said. If you don't respect yourself, you can't get the respect of others. <laughs> and that's what I'm thinking right here. Like, I don't feel like you're respecting yourself. You're not like, ta- like this situation, you guys aren't fighting for yourselves like enough. It, it just feels like you're getting kicked around. Yeah, it doesn't have a, it's a there's no winning here. I want, I want the winning part. I want, yeah. I want it to look like you inevitably are going to win. And this yeah. is just lose, 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 lose. Wah, wah. My dad was going to lose his car. I had to give him all my savings. Now I'm on financial aid. It's like, yeah. well, okay. And where, <laughs> where, where's the part where you're a badass? Yeah. And look, like these challenges happen to people, but I want to see your proactive like solution to them. I understand that you have one thing here. You decide to give all your savings to your father and that's taking action, but I don't know. Like, you could make the counter argument there that like that makes you a sucker almost. Yeah, like you got pulled into this. Like maybe your dad needs to go get a job. I, I, don't, I mean, I'm not like. Please don't be offended. Like, I, it's just I. You have to try to read these things in as skeptical a manner as you can, right? I, I'm yeah. being your friend by reading it skeptically. And I can see somebody reading that and going, hmm, boy, your dad seems like he might be bad at business. Maybe there's something else going on there. Maybe he's, yeah. you know, maybe he's, uh, maybe he's gambling. Maybe he's an alcoholic. Maybe he's not really a trustworthy, good business person. I don't know. I mean, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. 
So yeah. I'm certainly not insulting your father. I don't actually believe any of those things to be true. I'm just saying that though that that would be consistent with the story you're telling me. Yeah. And so I'm, you know, like the fact that you're now sadly giving money to your family, it just doesn't, uh, that's, what does that have to do with law school? What does that have to do with lawyer shit and, and, yeah. and being a killer and like what uh, you're, you know, yeah, nice ain't what they're looking for. Maybe in Canada they are. Hmm. It's not like they're looking for mean either, but they are looking for self-respect. <laughs> they're looking for winning. Yeah. Law school, law is like zero sum. Law has got winners and losers. If you're not going right. to be on the winning side of things, you're <laughs> it's just not a good lawyer. So yeah. you got to find a new story to tell here where you, where you make a difference, like where you are successful. He continues, I have experienced firsthand, by the way, we've mentioned this before, but we'll say it again, don't ever use the phrase firsthand. I've experienced the effects of someone refusing to fulfill contract obligations for work done by a small business. Uh, your, your, your dad has experienced that. You've seen the consequences of that yeah, on some level. Is, you've decided to participate, but this is, I don't know, anyways. This is refusing, awful. I'm sorry, it's real bad. There's no, there's no story in here that we want you to no. expand upon. Refusing to pay does not only hurt the small business or any one individual. Uh, fragment, period. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts entire families and communities. I don't care. Uh, I like really. You're lecturing <laughs> me about the <laughs> perils of what happens to a community when people are deadbeats on their business dealings. And really, do you know what? community effects this has had <laughs> like it's a, now you're an expert a sociological expert <laughs> yeah. I have only provided an anecdote of how my family was affected but there are many parallels as my father's employees and their families were also affected by the layoffs that followed that court decision what wow what court decision <laughs> well the court did Oh, layoffs in this construction project that went wrong. But that's still your story. That's the same story. This is not what parallel. Oh, because your father's employees and their families. Yeah, yeah. No, this was clearly a disaster. (laughs) I'll give you that. Uh, Wait, hold up. I think we have like three spaces after this period. Oh, boy. One, two. Oh, no, it's only two. With a law degree from the University of Toronto... Whoa, okay. I will be well equipped with the necessary skills and education for representing small business owners like my father in contract disputes with clients, suppliers, missing your Oxford comma, and other businesses. Look, you you don't need to tell the law school what you're going to get out of your (laughs) education. You have no standing to make that claim either. I mean, the law school is going to be like, well, we know a hell of a lot more about that than you do. Also, have you ever heard that, um, you know, a lawyer who represents himself has a fool for a client. Yeah. Like if you go in there, if you think you're going to go to law school and represent your actual dad, that is dumb. (laughs) That is not that no one would ever do that. No, it also just looks bad. (laughs) It's just, it's just, listen, your dad might need to hire a lawyer in situations like this. Your dad might need to plan better in the first place so that you don't end up, in these situations. But if your whole story is, I'm going to go to law school because my dad got ripped off in a business deal, 
I don't think anybody's buying that. No. Final paragraph. Soon to be the first in my entire family to graduate from capitalized university. Comma, I intend to set the bar even higher by also attending the top law school in the country. Okay, now you're being aspirational. Anyone could do this. I will one day be on the Supreme <laughs> well, Court. I think what he's saying is he's only applying to University of Toronto, which is the top law school in Canada, um, if I'm reading it properly. But so he's like sort of complimenting his reader, maybe by saying that, yeah. this, you know, he's, but they know that they're at the top law school in the country. I don't know. But the, I just, the, I intend, I, I think that <laughs> that needs to be like removed from all personal statements. I intend to set the bar even higher. We don't care about what you intend to do. We care about what you've done. Right. The name on my bachelor's degree will read, oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. The name on my bachelor's degree will read Frid Ahmad Mughal. But the name on my Juris Doctor will be Freed Ahmad Mughal for settling with any one name. For settling with any one name, comma, denies an entire backstory about persecution, prejudice, and perseverance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm not saying you haven't been through shit, but when you <laughs> stand up on the soapbox and say, let me tell you the persecution, prejudice, and perseverance that I've been through, everybody just is going to be like, meh. <laughs> now you've set the bar so high for yourself that you have to like prove it way but, beyond any evidence you seem to have. Dude, the name thing was brought up in the first paragraph and then yep. brought back in the last paragraph, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the statement itself. The statement itself is about a business deal gone wrong and losing in By court. His dad, and you know, it was your dad. The whole thing with the names has, other than they are your names, I'd it, what? I don't know. I don't get it. It. It's just like this is it, this is purely a plea for sympathy. This entire thing is a plea for sympathy, and it just—I mean—or and Fareed, I'm not saying you meant it that way. I'm saying that's how it reads, and so it, <laughs> this would be so easy to deny you admission. I would read this and I would go, "Oh, so you're whining about your circumstances?" Next, yep, like. <laughs> Where uh, yeah, and then the name boy, it's just it's actually really grating that name thing. Bringing in the name thing in the beginning and the end like that when it has nothing to do with the middle of the story. It's just like uh, I'm not from here. Uh, I had I don't know. I don't what. I'd love to know what you did that summer in which you were planning to save enough money to fund your education. I guess you know, I, I read it as. <laughs> He just was trying not to borrow money while he was in undergrad and he was, you know, working and saving money, which great. I mean, that's admirable. But the fact that it failed means that that's probably not the right story to tell. Wait, it failed? Yeah, it failed because he ended up having to give all the money to his dad so his dad didn't lose his car. Oh, sure. What I'm looking for is what he did. What did he do to earn that money? He doesn't need to tell us what he did with the money once he earned it. 
Sounds like he was working for his dad. <laughs> that's my guess. Yeah, and that's tough too because uh, your dad was paying you money. It's easy to get hired by a family member. Your dad was paying you money, and then you had to give the money back to your dad. It reminds me of the Beavis and Butthead episode when they were the the candy bar sales at the school. <laughs> And they had one dollar, and they kept buying the chocolates off of each other with that same dollar. <laughs> um, Fareed, I, this is you need to start over, and you need to tell me a story about you being successful in something. Tell me as adult a story as possible. Um, sounds like maybe you're still in undergrad. Uh, sounds like maybe you're not quite ready for law school. Uh, that you need to like, uh, I don't know, like maybe get a job for a year or two and have like a better story to tell. Yeah, or figure out if this is what you want to do. I mean, it sounds like you're going to law school because you're upset about the legal outcome of your father's case. I don't know if that's going to make you enjoy the legal work that's actually involved with being a lawyer. That's a super duper bad reason to go to law school. Anytime, anytime. Like that's just 1,000%. If someone comes to me with any story about, well, because of some personal legal, I'm like, no, 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 yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. No. My sister-in-law got divorced. I and I wanted to help with the family law. No. It's like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> or criminal. My dad. My dad was in jail because I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I learned a lot about the legal process. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's not a good story to tell. The whole thing with the names, I don't, I mean, if, I don't get why that is relevant, really. Like, you're, there was a, I mean, you know, that sounds like you could move that to a diversity statement for sure. I don't know if they have those in Canada. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, like, like if you're going to tell me a story about diversity, you know, about persecution and prejudice and perseverance. Don't use those words, but don't you say can tell that. a story about it. But, <laughs> but if you want to tell me a story about those things, you absolutely can do that. But I think it's much more appropriate in a diversity statement. Um, because this thing with the names is not anything that makes me think you're going to be a successful lawyer. Like I'm trying to figure out why this guy is going to be a successful lawyer. And it's that's the purpose of this document. Tell me why you're going to be successful in law school and successful as a lawyer. And you having four different names just doesn't have anything to do with that. Your dad failing at business also doesn't have anything to do with that. Yeah. Thanks for okay. sending it in, though. Yeah. We can tell you tried. I mean, this is, despite the mistakes and so forth, you clearly tried to write these sentences as well as you could. So. Yeah, it, and it's no big deal. It's just uh, like this is a false start. Um, you need to. You need to burn the whole thing and start over. Yep. But that happens sometimes. I mean, try try another angle. But I really I really would like to hear as adult a story as possible. If that's something that happened in school this last year, you know, if that's the best you got, then that's the best you got. If you want to tell me about summer jobs or whatever, um, being successful in a in a summer job or being successful in a club at school or something like that. That could totally be fine, but I need to hear you. This this whole statement is so passive. Like, what did you do? You worked over the summer and you gave your money to your dad. That's all we got. That's it. That's the only thing. Everything else happened to you. Right. 
And even the name thing, right? Like that had nothing yeah. to do. You, you didn't, you weren't involved in that. Those were just clerical errors and stuff. Like you didn't do that. That's not the, that's not a, it's not an achievement. So you're supposed to be putting your best foot forward by giving me achievements. Um, I'm just not seeing it. Should we wrap it up there? Yeah. Thanks, Freed. Um, Everyone out there, if you would like to get that same treatment on your personal statement, <laughs> you could just email help is, at thinkingelsat.com. It sucks, but you know, um, I can't imagine applying to law school with that personal statement. I can't. You'd get denied and you'd wonder why. <clears throat> yeah, I just can't imagine that being a successful story at all. So, And if you show that to your friends and family, and you know, it, they very likely are going to just rubber stamp it you know, just because they want to be your friend. Well, I didn't even want to say negative things about his father, but like, and I don't know him. Yeah, well, that's but why you got me. <laughs> but we had to. <laughs> I well, yeah, just I, it's like you got to be able to think about what the other perspective might be. You know, I, I don't know the story, and your reader doesn't know the story, and so you got to think about the different ways that this might impact them when they're reading it. What might they be thinking? Yep. Um, we have a uh, Facebook group, Ben. It's called the Thinking LSAT Podcast Group. Oh, uh, okay. If you are a Facebook user, you can uh, join that group and participate in discussions about the show. We are at Thinking LSAT on Instagram and Twitter and, I don't know, probably elsewhere, all the social medias. Strategyprep.com for Ben's classes in DC, foxlsat.com for my classes in LA and San Francisco. We both have all sorts of one on one options. Um, LSATdemon.com, of course, uh, do a seven day free trial and start studying LSAT from your phone, tablet, PC, wherever. Uh, listen to the show all sorts of ways Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or our website, thinkinglsat.com. You can also read the show notes at thinkinglsat.com. Uh, and subscribe to our newsletter, in which, uh, in which case the show notes will come straight to your inbox every week. That was episode 219 of the Thinking Outside podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.